The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Hey, hey, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine, and this morning I have special guest, Donna Rollins, who I've known for quite some time now. She's an author. She just wrote this book called Skinny the Cat and the Magic of Kindness. She's an animal lover, writer, voice actor, singer, and songwriter whose songs have appeared in network television shows and major feature films, including The Bold and the Beautiful, The Unit, The Shield, and Dawson's Creek. She's also been on national television commercials, including Sears, United Airlines, Macy's, and a whole slew of others. Absolutely amazing portfolio she has. And she's originally from the small town of Lancaster, Ohio. She's based in Los Angeles. She comes from a family of five musicians and currently resides in Venice Beach, California, with her husband, Robert Feist, owner of Ravensworks Studios. Please welcome Donna Rollins. Hey, Donna. Hi, Janine. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining the show. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Long overdue. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while. Yeah, thank you. I think I first met you in maybe 2007. You performed with Stacey Robin at one of my Mama Palooza festivals. Yes, I think so. I love you guys. Yeah, we <laughs> love each other. I mean, it's really, it's a great, Imaginary Friends, the name of the band is really so ironic because we are just such true life friends. It's incredible. <laughs> it shows. It really shows. Yeah. Tell the listeners a little bit about your backstory. Well, um, I was actually born into a very musical family, speaking of singing. Mm-hmm. And um, my two older sisters, I had two older sisters, I still do, then uh, they're both singers. Uh, one is an opera singer, the other is, uh, specializes in Broadway musical, that sort of thing. And wow. She lived in New York, the other sister went off to Europe. As a child, I, I, because my father sang, my sister sang, my mother played the piano, I felt like it was under constant uh, encouragement to become a singer. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so uh, maybe... Uh, I don't know what, there was something in me that just resisted that so much. And although I did end up joining a band when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. and I wrote a lot of poetry, and I ended up writing songs out of that, I never took it very seriously. My parents were just, they were the opposite of most parents. Tell me about that. Well, most parents, you know, the kid wants to be in the band, and or major in music or theater or something, and right. the parents are going, oh, you should get a real job, you should major in something that can support you. And my parents were the exact opposite. I went to college and I was studying English and psychology because I thought, I think I'd like to be a psychologist and, uh, and write books. That's okay. really what I wanted to do when I went to college. And my, I'd come home after registering for my classes, talk to my parents, and they said, Donna, there's no music classes in here. Donna, there's no theater classes in here. What are you doing? Look at that. <laughs> it was really funny. You're I mean, like, yeah, so? At the time, I felt under, you know, under siege, you know, right. uh, with my parents, even though they were trying to do their best to encourage me with my gifts, you know? Sure, sure. So um, what happened, actually, is that the the pressure to perform, in a, in a way, was so strong that I 
just got it in my head that I wanted to get out of Ohio, out from away from my parents and mm-hmm. my family and all this musical stuff. And so I enlisted in the Air Force, which took me... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Talk about a radical change. I mean, I wanted to change. I really wanted to go to California, and I did get there, but it was a radical change. Um, so the Air Force, uh, did you go through with that? Well, yeah, I was in for a while. I did get an early discharge. Um, uh, we were at peaceful times, and there was really nothing going on, and I mm-hmm. appealed and went through my um, proper chain of command and just asked to be let go, and they let me go. I was just one of the lucky few. And uh, from there I went and I stayed. Uh, that was a turning point for me uh, because I was pretty much an emotional wreck after all of that. You know, yeah. you're in 19 years old or 20 years old. Oh, that's you know? young. And you're very young. And so my sister, who was living in Europe in Europe at the time, uh, she was living in Switzerland. She said, look, if you can get enough money to fly yourself over here, I'll take care of you mm-hmm. and let you get back on your feet. And that was a real turning point for me. I had uh, about uh, six or seven months in Switzerland with my sister, and every day we talked about the opera and the stories of the opera and singing and what I would like to do and what artists that I resonated to, Joni Mitchell at the time and uh Carly Simon. Nice. You know, those kind of go back to the garden kind of people. Sure. Let me ask you, excuse me one second. Sure. By the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Donna Rollins. I'm your host, Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Would you say that you maybe enlisted because you were in a funk? You were trying to find yourself? or Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. And totally opposite from what you grew up with. I right. Mean, yeah. I, I took a radical jump into something else. Fearlessly. Mm-hmm. Fearlessly. You are fearless. I, I haven't been known to be. <laughs> when I look back on myself, I go, I did that. That was crazy. Yeah, but that's great. It makes but us I think a lot are. of people are that way when they're young and, you oh, know, yeah. it's just like, woo. Right, right. And how long were you in, in, enlisted? Um, I actually only served uh, a little over a year, one year, one month, and 16 days, to be precise. Um, but it really, it was not a good fit, and mm-hmm. I really was, I really was uncomfortable there, and I, it's a long story how I got out, but it, I really did do the, do the right thing, and uh, afterwards, uh, really, this is probably appropriate to go into next, mm-hmm. from the Air Force, and then I went to Europe, I came back and uh, finished up a little college in, uh, Santa, in Santa Maria at Allen Hancock College. I came back to uh, California, and... Through a couple of coincidences, there was a guy in the band that I was in in high school was living in Chicago, and he contacted my parents to find out if I was anywhere available. And it turns out he was in a band, and their singer was leaving. And Uh just out of the clear blue sky, I decided to call my parents to see if he could track me down, which he did. I ended up going to Chicago, joining this band, and that's how I spent the, the next decade of my life is on the road with this band. And your parents, were, probably, were they thrilled or not so thrilled? Oh, I lost Donna. Hmm. All right, we'll take a short break. I'm your host, Janine. This does happen. You're listening to Get the Funk Out, and um, we'll take a quick little, little break, and uh, I'm sure Donna will call back in in just a second. Hang tight, everybody. We're trying to get Donna back on the line. Donna? Yes, I'm even on a landline. have no idea oh, what happened. <laughs> all right. Hey, that happens. It's okay. Okay, anyway. So, so go ahead. Um, so after joining this band in Chicago uh, and, and traveling for literally a decade of my life, we uh, did a lot of USO tours. And so I got to, I feel like I 
had a chance to really serve the military in a way that was very suitable to me and to them. Um, so it, it was an interesting transition. I, I was in a terrible funk, as you would say. When I was in the Air Force, I desperately needed to get out so I could find out who I really was, which is go back to my natural gifts of being a singer. Excuse me one second. pay that back somehow uh, in a different way. Did you know when you were in this funk what was next, or you just knew this wasn't a good fit? Oh, I just knew it was not a good fit, and okay. I was not, I had no clue what was happening next. Yeah. It really, I mean, and, and now that I've had more life experiences, it's so uh, clear to me, um, you know, how we transition. I mean, I watched a lot of observable behavior um, in retrospect mm-hmm. about jumping into a new situation. And although sometimes that seems crazy, sometimes it's not so crazy, you know, because it does. Uh, kind of catapult you to a, a different place. Right. But as I have more life experience, I, I, I see it kind of a different way of, of transitioning through my darker moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, sometimes change, a lot of times change is very scary. And you you might leave a situation that you might not you might know is not a good fit. And you think, what's next? This right. is terrifying. And then you find yourself, you know, opening yourself up and it's the best thing you ever did. Right. And sometimes the opposite can happen. Like in the case of leaving Ohio and college and going into the Air Force, that was not a good, that did not solve my problems whatsoever. But what it did do is it brought me closer. It got me into a darker place so that I was able to actually get back to who I really was. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we go in steps. Right. And it's darkest before dawn. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So true, so true. So tell me where, where your life went after that. You were in this band for a long time. Yeah, yeah, we traveled in so many different places. And at, at a certain point, I just realized that if I wasn't going to move myself out to back out to California, because once again, I was based in Chicago, that I was never going to fulfill my, my dreams of, you know, being a rock star. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, myself and one of the other uh, band members, who was actually my husband at the time, kind of up the truck and drove with our equipment uh, to Los Angeles. Nice. And just once again, jumping into a completely radically different situation. <laughs> and in Los Angeles, I, I really feel like those those years uh, pursuing the rock star dream. I did everything that I could think of to do. I, you know, including getting a, a music attorney to represent me, and you know, performing out, having a band. It was in a, in a really good band, and writing the best songs we could. And you know, it just, as so many other tales happen, it didn't completely happen in the way that I had imagined it to. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself in this horrible dark place again, and I decided that I was just going to. Resigned from music altogether. I wrote the saddest song I ever wrote in my whole life. Oh, no. <laughs> it's called Don't Watch Me Crying. <sighs> and it was my, compl- I mean, I really hit bottom. And there's a, there's a beauty in hitting, bottom, in, in hitting bottom, allowing yourself to feel as, uh, allowing the sorrow to just take over for a minute, you yes. know, because yes. you don't stay there. The cool thing that I've learned over the years is that everything changes. Mm-hmm. Whether you wanted to or not, right. <laughs> it changes. And so, um, how did you find your way out of that lowest rock bottom? Well, actually, that's where Stacy comes into the picture. Um, 
I met Stacy at a, a vocal, I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it was just sort of, a, let's call it a vocal seminar. And we just headed off. I mean, we were just, it was like my long-lost sister that I just met again. Right. And we were friends at the time, not, as, you know, not super close, but, you know, we were, we were definitely friends. And she just, you know, wouldn't let me stay in that place. She's yes. an incredible person. She drew me back out and made me blow the dust off my guitar. Nice. And just she just nurtured me back, which is interesting because uh, something that we'll be talking about in a minute is uh, the book that I wrote called Skinny, the Cat, and the Magic of Kindness. Yes. And, and Stacy has a lot of the same qualities as the cat does, you know. <laughs> It's sort of like, so it's about Stacy. <laughs> yeah, just teasing out the nice. good stuff, you know, like nurturing that out, bringing that out, and uh, she's she's really very masterful at it. And at the time, um, I didn't, I, I had no idea where that was going, but but that that really changed changed. I got back into music again after taking a, a pretty long rest from it. So it's interesting. I just want to interject. By the way, we're talking about Stacy Robin. Um, long friend of yours, long-time friend of yours, who I've known for a while, is I think the key to being in these funks is surround yourself by very positive people because she's a very positive, yes. special person. Right. There, I, I do want to draw a distinction, at least for myself. There are people who are really authentically positive, like Stacy, mm-hmm. and then there are other people that just kind of speak the this, this positive speak. Yes. And for me, that is um, very... Uh, detrimental. If somebody's just trying to yank me out of my funk, it yes. doesn't work. As right. a matter of fact, it drives me further away. Yeah. But somebody like Stacy, she just has this nurturing way about her, and uh, she she tickles it out. Oh. You know? And uh, also my friend Beth Warnick, who we're, we're all very, very close friends, the three of us. Uh, Beth is a lot like that, too. She just keeps... She just keeps nurturing you until until you come back out that's great yeah that's i'm great. really blessed with uh, those two gals as my you're really lucky friend. to have people like that because um yeah. not everybody can walk the talk you know? absolutely absolutely you know so from so I, there's so much to talk about so would you like to talk about your book sure okay sure. well actually uh, it's interesting because i i i went from the singing to the voiceover to, uh, to voiceover commercial voiceover, mm-hmm. and had a pretty long stint doing that really successfully, and still am. And and then there was a certain point where, um, well, there was a commercial strike. I'm sure you remember it back oh, in yes. 2000. Yes, and that was another funk that I got in this this stagnation of my at career. the time was very successful career. Yeah, and I couldn't work anymore because I was union, and. What happened from there is I thought I've got to have a different place to put my creative energy now. Mm-hmm. And I had always done short form creative projects, poems, songs, lyrics, um, and and voiceover is actually very creative, as you know too. Yes. So you feel like these are all, but they're all kind of small projects or small uh, sh- uh, short form. Short term, yeah. And I, I decided that I was just going to do something really radical. Once again, I'm jumping off a cliff. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. I decided to write a novel. Wow. D- and, <laughs> and, and I didn't know how to do it. But whenever I've made a decision to do something, it seems like uh, I get supported mm-hmm. somehow. And uh, I had made that decision when I was uh, 
doing a little retreat in Ojai, came back and lo and behold, there was a class that just jumped out of, that was about how to write the novel within you, you know, and I thought, oh, well, I'll take there. I'll take that. That's the first step I need. You just need the first step, right? Nice. And so I started writing this novel, and while I was writing the novel, this other story showed up on my doorstep. I really had to take a pause from the novel and go back to this more short, it's a shorter story, but it's got a huge message, and that's uh, Skinny the Cat and the Magic of Kindness. And isn't it funny, I know I, I find this with me, I have things that I want to finish. I've got a screenplay that I've worked on for years now. Yeah. And while you're procrastinating or not quite getting the message you want to put into that one project, another project comes up out of not getting to that first project. Right, exactly. You know I mean? and, and you have to make a judgment call. Is this a distraction or is this something really important? Right. And in the case of uh, Skinny, it was definitely important. Um, I learned a lot by writing that book. Nice. And I wanted to ask you, we were talking about this offline, what came first, singing or voiceover? Singing came first. Mm -hmm. um, many, many, many years of singing. And the voiceover came up um, as, a, um, as a surprise. Actually, when I was living in Los Angeles, um, everybody knows if you come to Los Angeles to be in the, any of the creative arts, really, but particularly to be a musician, that you have to have some other job yes. to sustain yourself, which was different for me. And, you know, you have to remember I had been on the road for nine or ten years, and I made my living as a singer, and so this was quite an adjustment for me. Sure. Um, I had a few odd jobs in marketing and things like that, but I stumbled upon this voiceover thing. I'd never even heard of it. I mean, it's like, what? I never thought about it. How <laughs> did you get into it? Uh, well, my husband at the time was doing um, uh, some editing or actually, it was a. I think it was a. Um, it, it was a. It was a lucky coincidence. Actually, he mm -hmm. was uh, working on a project and he was editing some voiceover stuff for a project. I believe it was for Thrifty Drugstore. Okay. Um, and it was an in-house thing. It wasn't even like broadcast. Right. And he just came home one night and goes, "Well, gee, you yeah. could do this." And I went, "Oh, well, I never heard of it before." So we threw together just something, you know, basic. He took it back to that producer. And the guy hired me for the project that he was on. So it was once it was a very natural fit. It was very lucky for me, and I got paid very well for doing it. And I thought, now that is using my voice and the gifts that I already own, that's right. you know, that I already have, and is much more in keeping. And that's how the, the voiceover took. I, I did take a, a course and did a little, uh, you know, educated myself a little bit in the protocol and how to handle yourself in sessions and things like that. Nice. But beyond that, it was dive in and do it. That's great. That's usually that's the way it works. I was on a project in Boston at Hewlett Packard, and they needed someone to narrate something, and you kind of fall into it. Yeah, you know? yeah, I think you do. I think a lot of people do. At least uh, back in the day, they did. Now a lot of people are uh, approaching it a little bit differently because technology has allowed uh, a lot more people in. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I started a studio years ago, so I don't have to commute. Yeah, isn't that great? That is great. Yes, it is. It's wonderful. The amount of time. You know, you save and gas, and oh, it's phenomenal. And things, everybody wants things so much faster. They do. I know. It's crazy, huh? So I was asking, I was talking to you about, you know, have you ever found yourself using voiceover outside of the professional arena in, in a funny way? Because some people aren't familiar with voiceover, but, you know, <laughs> whether you're annoyed by the telemarketer that calls up and you pretend <laughs> it's the wrong number, or, <laughs> I mean, I've had these, these uh, instances where, um, you know, you, you just, 
you realize you can use your talents. It actually stretches your voice over muscle, to tell you the truth, because yes. you shouldn't just do one type of voice and one, and you should get in characters. And I think it's fun when you're not under pressure to relax and develop these characters. I know I'm constantly with my daughters. We're making up silly voices. We're singing in the car. We're just doing silly things, and it's nice because I know I'm not being judged if I'm a total goofball. Right, exactly. You know? And you get to really just, like you said, stretch that uh, that voiceover muscle and, and have fun. Yes. It, it brings a lot of joy into your life, I think, don't you? It, it does. And, you know, life is a little too serious. Uh-huh. And I spent many years, as my husband knows, he's probably listening, being way too serious. And it's nice just to let go and feel like no one's going to judge you. Uh, and especially in this industry, you need to have a lot in your in your portfolio. You know. Yes, you do. A lot of cards in the back pocket. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's the reason I was I was always very pleased that I was able to um, transition uh, at, at different times in my life to other creative endeavors that would help support me. Um, the singing, the voiceover, and now being an author. Because they're like branches on the same kind of a tree. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the things you've done. You have quite a portfolio of credits. <gasps> oh well, I do actually. Whenever anybody asks me that question, I kind of that question, I kind of go blank. But I was the spokesperson for um, May Company, which is now um, part of Macy's. Yes, um, that was a, a great and wonderful gig. Before that, I was the spokesperson for Ralph's Grocery Store. That was probably my first ongoing, every week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also the uh, spokesperson for PetSmart, and that is a very interesting job I had only because I, um, I had gone through a divorce and, you know, time went on. And, and I was at a PetSmart session, and I met my uh my husband. <laughs> Did you really? Well, I'm now married too. I love it. was it. just kind of funny that animals brought us together. That's great. Yeah, and uh, oh, United Airlines, and um, gosh, I'm just trying to think a lot of, a lot of different things. I've just been very lucky, I think, mostly. Well, you have a very natural voice, and it's very interesting. I think I might have, yeah, I did tell you I took uh, some classes recently up in L.A., and the whole style has completely changed where it's very conversational, yeah. the way you and I are talking. Right. Whereas when I first started taking classes, it was very, you know, enunciated. And, right. Uh, as my agent will say, you know, don't use that radio voice. Just speak like you're talking to me over the phone right now. Right, right. <laughs> and you have to remember that. And that's, if you stop, you know, when you people listen to commercials, and I'm very fascinated by both TV and and radio commercials by the creativity involved, but if you if you listen to what's really popular or what grabs you, it's all very real. It's all very real, and it's just interesting to me too. Uh, and I, I I would guess you'd probably agree that uh, the the different styles and how they change over the years. Um, as you were just saying, when you know when we started, you know it was a little bit more formal, I guess. Yes. Yes. But at the same time, I learned so much from that style in uh, terms of helping me sing. Uh, oh. Things like breath control, I learned a lot of tricks that uh, helped me become a much better singer, things to bring more subtlety into my singing. So the voiceover really, you know, the skills that I learned being a voiceover actor really helped me a lot in my singing. And yet my singing actually poised me to be a good voiceover person. Interesting. That's yeah, interesting. so they really helped each other. Um, and now that the styles and trends have changed and they're more conversational, um, it, it it's it's interesting because the the book that I wrote um, is 
is lighthearted, a little more, you know, lighthearted, even though there's a lot of real life that happens in the book. It's that lighthearted feeling. So I feel like my the things that I'm doing are paralleling in some way. Beautiful. Donna, we're going to take a quick break, and then I actually want to talk more about the book. I don't think we really touched on it enough. So let's take a quick break, and you are listening to Get the Funk Out. We're joined by Donna Rollins. I'm your host, Janine. We'll be back in just a short bit. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Hi, I'm Rebecca Romaine. As a former model, I used to walk runways all over the world. Paris, Milan, New York. This is Salif Diara. As a local health worker, he walks the pathways of his village in Mali, West Africa, every day to help treat severely ill children. Like many children in the developing world, those in Salif's village are threatened by common illnesses that kill millions worldwide. But unlike villages without a local health worker, the children in Salif's village get the care they need to survive. And even though you can't walk in his shoes, you can help him with his work. Help one, save many. See where the good goes at goodgoes.org and find out all the ways you can help get the good where it needs to go. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council. Honey, I just wanted to let you know I'm ready to spend the rest of my life with you. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. This holiday season, buy her the gift of eternity with our Princess Cut Grade 5 polypropylene ring designed to last for centuries. Wait, what? Honey, you got me a plastic ring? Well, yeah. I mean, it's plastic. It's designed for durability and can survive the elements, just like our love. It's true. Plastic waste cannot biodegrade and lingers in our landfills, which are closing at a rate of one per day in the U.S. Or plastic ends up in the environment where it endangers wildlife. But that's terrible! Yes, but reducing this plastic waste starts with you. Plastic types 3 through 7 have less than a 5% chance of being recycled. So be a mindful shopper and avoid disposable plastics. Choose products with less packaging. Bring a reusable bag to the grocery store. Decide against buying bottled water. Fill up a reusable bottle instead. Every change begins with you. Can you tell if these vegetables are being contaminated with bacteria that could cause paralysis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Use different cutting boards so that the bacteria in raw meats and seafood and their juices doesn't touch prep surfaces for other foods, like veggies. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick, or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by separating raw meats and seafood from other foods. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Let's go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? (laughs) 
Of course. I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> wow, Jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. We are back with Donna Rollins. Hi, Donna. Hi, Janine. So we were talking off air about being in a funk in the industry we're in, which is voiceover, and uh, I'm sure you've had your ups and downs. What what advice would you give to people that face uh, different professional funks? Well, I think uh, for me the important thing to remember is that everything changes and uh, that it's not permanent. It's mm-hmm. You have to keep staying the path, and it, it isn't the end of something. You know, it's it's right. the continuation of your path, whatever that may be. Right. I mean, for me, that's it. It's like just, you, I, it sounds so stupid to just say just don't give up, but I mean, really, that's what it boils down to. It's just a different language. And to be very, very gentle with yourself. Right. And not to resist it. You know, it's like, find something else to do, you know, while you're waiting in between jobs, you know. Do something that makes you happy and to stay um, it, 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 as best to not fall completely down because of it. I mean, unless you want to transition, if you want to transition, then you should dive down right. into the funk. And that, excuse me, then that thing to do might be something you want to do at night, whether it's a class of something that's been eating yeah. you up inside that you know you're not going to do maybe professionally, but something that will feed you creatively. Yeah, that was that. That would be a perfect, uh, f- perfect thing to do. Absolutely, mm-hmm. because. I, we were talking about how with voiceover, you know, I know at least with me, you know, you get these jobs and then like there's a there's a funny cartoon I saw of uh, it says what my mom thinks I do as a voiceover artist. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah, Don LaFontaine and you, they think you're like <laughs> and then um, what my friends think that you're like Don LaFontaine, <laughs> who's amazing. And what what the reality is, you're lying on your desk staring at the phone waiting for a ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's the truth. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really blessed with a wonderful agent. I'm with William Morris, and that's great. And they and they really understand what I do, and um, uh, you know, be, been doing it long enough that I I feel like you know people, the casting agents and stuff, really get who I am, and they bring me in for appropriate things, um, it, which usually increases your batting average in terms of uh, actually getting jobs. But as the industry has. Uh, transitioned over the past few years, technology and whatnot, uh, the availability of talent is much more dense, so there's a lot more people in the field. I do feel, you know, I've had to battle that that funk yes. that you're talking about. You yes. know, it's like, oh, my gosh, is my career over? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it's not over. Just keep doing what you do and, and, and go write a book. That's what I did, really. It's like the strike happened. And that transitioned me. I, I was in such a funk about that. I had to find some other way to channel my my uh, creative talent. Nice. So, t- so how did that come about? You were in a funk, and you just said, "You know what? This has been eating me up inside. I want to do this." 
Yeah, well, it really gave me some time to do some soul searching. Um, I thought about, like, well, what did I want to do originally? And I remembered, I reflected back on when I went to college. I wanted to, you know, uh, major in psychology and minor in English so that I could be a psychologist and write books. And I went, write books. Oh, well, there you go. And But the thought of making a book is a longer form project. So, And that's when I started the novel and, 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 then I, I ended up interrupting myself to write uh, Skinny. And tell me about that book. Well, it's actually a light, lighthearted story about our neighbor's cat, who was a rescue cat. Um, he was really skinny, so I nicknamed him Skinny. He just kept coming around, and uh, we happened to, at the time, have an indoor cat named Bava, who didn't get along with any other animals at all. I mean, we just called her the little curmudgeon, you know. <laughs> um, and... Over time, through a lot of comical antics and his behavior of just being so relentlessly kind, I don't know how else to say that, he softened her and she finally got a friend. She finally (laughs) made friends with him. So I I saw the value of persistent kindness, especially in the face of adversity, especially in the face of, of, of just disgruntled personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not a panacea. I mean, you can't go out there and fix every relationship. But there's a lot of power to kindness, and not just um, not just occasional kindness or kindness when it's easy to be kind. Mm-hmm. It's like it's when it's hard to be kind. It's when it's challenging to be kind is what really makes a difference in relationships, and it starts to to change your world. And when you and and my husband actually came up with this really cute idea, and that's what fueled me writing the book. Amazing. Also, we were he's uh, um, uh, owns Raven's Work um, Studios, a sound mixer person, mm-hmm. and he came home from the studio one day, and just at the dinner table, just in casual conversation, he goes, "You know, I skinnied somebody in my studio today," and I said, "What? What?" I skinnied him. I said, what do you mean? Because, well, you know, I came in, he was just really in a bad mood, and he was just being really picky, and so I just started being really nice to him, like skinny. Nice. And the light bulb went off, and it was like, I've got to write this story. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So so really, the first part of the book is a, is the story about skinny and how he influenced and changed the life of my cat, and consequently us, um, through through his relentless kindness. And then the last part of the book is uh, I conjugate the verb and, you know, you turn <laughs> skinny into a verb. And it, it just, it, it, it really helps me because I know now that the best way I can handle my depressions, anything, mm-hmm. is that I can skinny myself. And that was the cool thing that I, I left with and that's so powerful. Not only can I change my relationships uh, with other people, but I can also change the relationship I have with myself when I apply this gentleness, this kindness to whatever I happen to be going through or whatever a strained relationship I may be having with someone. Or maybe I just see someone that's chronically dismal. You, you know, know? that's very powerful. It really it is. Really is. This, this message brought to me by this adorable cat and you really don't have to be a cat lover to enjoy the story it's um it's it's not a long book it's a a short book and there's a lot of pictures in it that's actually another reason that i was driven to to write the text is because we had this whole we chronicalized the 
um, this whole thing happening with the cats. Mm. You know, I, I had an interesting thing happen. I was living in Boston, and I I found a cat that was uh, emaciated. I really wanted a kitten, but this skinny, skinny cat ran into this office that I was coming out of, and it was screeching, crying. Aww. Long story short, I adopted this cat and pretty much saved its life. I, t- I took it to the vet that day after the grocery store and fed it, and uh, I took took him home. I took care of him. He was an indoor cat, and then... I decided to get him a brother. I adopted this other cat, and I named Aww. the cat Curly. He had a curled back tail. I think he had a broken digit in his tail. Oh. And uh, and then I'll really cut this short, but uh, Curly died, and yeah. it, and it was so tragic. It, he died about five years later, and it was it just shook me. I'd never lost an animal, and I mean I used to feed this cat spaghetti, ice cream. He'd run around with the newspaper on his back. Aww. He'd bounce off walls. The personality was unbelievable. And to deal with that pain, I wrote about um, my cat, and I called it Curly's Tail. Oh, that's and, a beautiful name for it, Thank too. you. But my point is, when things happen to you, it's, it's great to find an outlet for that pain, for that sadness, for that time you're going through, because it brings you out. You know? Yes, it does. To wallow in it and to do nothing with those emotions really isn't good for you, but it, when you can find a vehicle for that pain, for that sadness... Um, it's the best. It really is. Otherwise, the pain has a tendency to stagnate. And that's the reason you, you heard me say earlier, you know, oftentimes I allow myself to get to really hit bottom because there, my mother gave me a very good piece of advice when I was a young girl, and she said, you know, sometimes you've got to float to the bottom of the pool because mm-hmm. when you float all the way to the bottom of the pool, you can put your toe on the bottom and push yourself <gasps> back up to the top. I and I that. use that as a, a lot in my, in my thinking and what you were just saying is this – you know, it's just another way of looking at it. It's like you, by writing about it, you allow yourself these feelings. You allow yourself to get all the way into the pain of it, and then somehow you start to surface. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. I I totally relate. I Actually, the the cat that I was talking about, our little curmudgeon, Bava, she actually... She just passed away last week. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so we better change the subject. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I really am touched by your uh, comment. Well, uh, you know, there are times in your life where you're, you know, you have these uh, people or these little, you know, furry friends that they uh, they definitely put a dent in your heart. So, all right, we'll, we'll change the subject right yeah. now. <laughs> Tell me what you're doing now. Uh, well, I'm promoting the book for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, continue with my voiceover, gigging with my band. So I'm I'm kind of in a triple, uh, uh, a trifecta. <laughs> nice, I love it. Yeah, and also I am uh, I am going back to the novel. I did finish the novel just to get the rest of my story out. Um, I I did finish the novel, um, but just basically a, a good first draft. Nice. So um, now that some time has passed, I'm. Uh, and I've got Skinny out, and we're we're going with the promotion of that. Uh, I am going to take some creative time now to start working uh, on the on the novel. I've learned a lot about books and publishing and that whole situation. But I love having the different outlets. I love being able to um, uh, combine the the talents, uh, combine the creative aspects. Like for instance, in the novel. There's a there's a song that I have already written and recorded uh, that goes with the the book and with one of the characters and I I plan on adding a few more songs to that novel. 
Nice. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so incorporating the singing and the songwriting with the actual writing of the book. You're really doing so many things that feed your creative spirit. I love it. Mm-hmm. kind of need to because otherwise I get in a very long funk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. It's like if I'm not feeding that creative fire, then I'm, wow, yeah. I get lost somehow. I hear you. I hear you. Absolutely. Tell me, do you have a mantra uh, that you would like to share with the listeners? Well, I thought about that. The Something that I used to use a lot is a little phrase that my grandmother used to say. I think it's biblical, but um, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. So it always kept me remembering that life is flowing, and uh, so it, it worked as a good a good mantra, you know, this, no matter what it is, whether it's a good moment or bad moment, it's going to pass and we are going to experience change. Now that I'm a little older, and especially since I've written the skinny story, I I find my mantra has changed a little bit in that I like to be a little bit more proactive with what I'm saying to myself instead of just passively, well, this too shall pass. It's like, hey, I got to skinny myself. (laughs) And so it's more lighthearted, and and I I really do use that. I say it to myself, my husband and I say it to each other. It really is my mantra, and I know it might sound a little corny, but it's true. No, it's good. It's a good one. Yeah. I mean, life, as you were saying earlier, can be so heavy sometimes and and sad or Mm -hmm. challenging, and taking a little lighthearted approach to it really helps get you through. Right, right. And it's okay to be goofy and silly and yes. put yourself out there. And uh, as I was telling my, my girls this, only only you can make yourself feel bad by the opinions of others. Like Very good. Because, you know, you hear so many different opinions coming at you about different things, and you have the control to decide how things are going to affect you. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, my husband and I were just talking about this the other day in, in that same in that same vein, mm-hmm. um, whenever there's any kind of change, there's some sort of chaos attached to it, and we can um, we can change what's in front of us. So when your your daughters are processing things, their emotions might change or shift because of someone else's opinion of them or right. whatever. But they are in control of choosing to move forward in a different way. They can't change what came out of that person's mouth or we can't change what happens to us. That's already in the past. But what we can change is how we look at it and the decisions that we make about it. And these things also just the, the, the little funks that we get into in life. I also think if you look at them as cycles that happen in life and everybody has them, they're not so horrible. Right. And I think that you're doing a great job raising your girls. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you're you. giving them some really great nuggets. And look at me. I, I'm i still referencing my grandmother and my mother. Right. Yeah. And my dad, too. My I didn't talk about him too much, but my dad really is also very skinny, kind of like a, a Stacy. Tell me. You know, Tell me about that. He's, um, well, he, he uh, would go... Uh, say, for instance, he used to have a, a little group of people that he used to go have coffee with in the morning. And he's, he's in his 90s now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would, there was one guy in particular that was just a grouch, you know. <laughs> and he'd always had something negative to say. And 
dad just worked. He said, I just worked on him one, one, one piece at a time. Always had something nice to say. Always had it paid a compliment, a genuine compliment, not something fabricated to suit the mo- but he, Little by little, that man softened, and little by little, that man became my father's friend. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, it's this trend that I see uh, and how powerful kindness is. So my dad, you know, I'm still referencing stuff from my dad and my mom and my grandmother. And uh, so it's lovely that you have uh, these daughters that you can uh, share this information with. Thank you. and They'll I, remember it forever. Thank you. Well, what's interesting is my older daughter remembers meeting my grandmother, even though she was in a wheelchair at that point. And it's important to relay those stories of kindness and funny things that your family members might have done. And uh, one of the things we do to celebrate uh, my grandmother's birthday is she loves Snickers. And I said, Aww. sorry, girls, we have to eat some Snickers on her birthday. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> right. And it's those little sweet things that uh, really make a difference. Right. Because life, as you said, is filled with ups and downs and funks, and it gets way too heavy. And I think you really have to take those moments to make it fun, you know. Right, and breathe into them. You know, really, I, it's it's just it's hard to remember sometimes when you're really uh, not feeling good about the situation that you're in or whatever. But you know, when you look at them as these are challenges that a lot of people go through. I mean, no one is accepted in terms of their ups and downs. Their their challenges in life are unique to them, but everybody has them. And when you look at them as a natural part of life in the same way that, you know, uh, anything in nature, you you can see the cycles in nature everywhere, the tides in the ocean, the leaves falling off the trees. Right. You know, whatever it is, the flowers coming up and then dying and going. I mean, it's all cyclical, and and so are these challenges. They come up, we handle them, we move on. Mm -hmm. And uh, what my husband and I like to say is we reestablish a new norm uh, every time we get through one of these. That's right. And uh, also, I just want to add, you know, things happen um, even as a homeowner or anything. I know that as I've gotten older, things, ridiculous things, Donna. Like, you know, it seems like everything in my house will break down at once, like whether it's the air gap on our sink um, shooting literally three feet high of water while the dryer is catching on fire from the lint trap. I mean... Seriously, yes, I know. <laughs> and you're, you know, you can't flip out. You, just, you have no control over that stuff. So right. you just have to, you know, say, okay, <laughs> just roll with it. You know? Yeah, take a deep breath and keep yeah. walking. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much. Do you have a website people can uh, check you out on? Yeah, I have a couple of websites. Um, for the book, it's skinnythecat.com. So that's really easy. Okay. And from there, you can navigate to Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Um, for voiceover, I have uh, DonnaRollins.com. Beautiful. Donna, have an awesome Monday. I want to thank you so much for calling to the show, and I'd love to see you sometime. Absolutely. We'll have to get together with Stacy. I'd love it. Do I'd some singing. It. All right. You be okay. well. Take, Take care. care. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out. That was Donna Rollins. And uh, if you want to find out about being a guest on the show, it's very easy. Just send an email to Janine. That's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at org. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. 
You know that expression, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade? Well, sometimes it feels like a great big squeeze, sucking the life out of you. Tune in to the Get the Funk Out Show, where I share inspiring stories of people facing changes, challenges, and crazy twists and turns on this roller coaster ride called life. Mondays at 9 on KUCI 88.9 FM. To find out more, visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org.